0: Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for this awesome opportunity you've given us to fellowship in your word. God, settle my heart. Make me sensitive to your leading. God, for those present here this evening, all the distractions of this day, we ask their God that if we could put them aside ever so briefly so that we can see and understand you better. Bless your word. Glorify your word for your good pleasure. So, dear God, we pray. We ask that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be completely acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Lee sent me an email and uh, he asked, can I be honest with you? As soon as I saw the email from him, something went off inside me. and said, don't answer it. And like the curious boy I am, I answered it. And Pastor Lee said, Patrick. And I began to say, no. What he's asked is if I would share a little bit about Precept Ministries and basically what we do uh, in the ministry. Uh, Precept Ministries was started back in 1970. Uh, Jack and K. Arthur. Most of you know of K. Arthur, but there is, there is a there's a lot going on behind the scenes, more than, more than Kate. But in 1970, Jack and Kay Arthur were called back home for the mission field. Both of them were sick or ill. Jack, I think, had one too many bouts of malaria. Kay developed some sort of heart trouble, and they were asked to come back home. Uh, well, they were called back home by their mission organization because the mission board saw them more as a liability than an asset. And, uh, Jack went back into building radio towers and that sort of thing. Kay was sitting around home twiddling the fingers, doing nothing, and Jack came up with this bright idea. He said, Kay, why don't you invite some teenagers over to your house, teach them how to study the Bible. Great idea. Before you know it, we had, they had kids driving from two hours from Atlanta to Chattanooga for Bible study. Before long, parents were calling uh, Jack and Kay and said, Hey, listen. Uh, My kid is saying, yes sir, and yes ma'am, and no sir, and no ma'am. What are you doing, my child? Uh, Other parents would call and say, hey, listen, my child's getting on a roll. What's the deal? What are y'all doing to my child? And then another parent called and said, hey, listen, when you finish working on my child, you got anything for me? And thus began this ministry of teaching people how to study their Bible using the inductive method of study. Now, no, Precept Ministries did not invent the inductive method. It's been around for a while. Interestingly enough, when we were returning home uh, to the Bahamas back in 2001, a question was asked of me by a pastor. And he said, Patrick, you know, you're going back to the islands. You're going to be sharing the inductive method with people here, there, and everywhere. He says, is there anyone in the Bahamas who uh, shares a passion for the Word of God, who teaches the pure milk of the word, who who teaches verse by verse, expositorily, yada, yada, yada. And I said, I think I know one man. I didn't know anything of Pastor Lee other than what my classmates had told me. And I said, yeah, I think I know of one. And he said, well, make sure when you get home, you find that pastor. And I'm so happy I listened to that advice, because the first person I found was Pastor Lee. And I want you to know how fortunate you as a body of believers are to have a pastor who is so passionate about the Word of God and who is so careful and so serious and so committed to feeding his flock good food. I've been in a lot of churches where that is not the case. I apologize for that, but I want you to continue to pray for Pastor Lee and don't take the blessing that you have in such a pastor and the other pastors here in this church who are committed to doing just that. for whatever that's worth. But let's just jump into the text, shall we? Uh, you should have in your possession a copy of Haggai. It says, consider your ways if you have that. And also, and also you're going to need a pen. Let's see how much trouble we can get ourselves into tonight. Let's read it through just once while um, we're getting sorted out. Well, but better yet, turn, turn your Bibles real quick. Turn your Bibles to Haggai. If you go to the Old Testament, and go all the way to the end of the Old Testament, turn three books in. Um, Haggai, you'll find Haggai. If you count it backwards, it'll be Malachi. um, The Italian fellow, Malachi. And then there's Zechariah. And then there's Haggai. All right? I'd love to hear those pages turning. Now, if we were teaching this, if we had more time to teach this, Um, Stay with me for a minute. Let's see if we can pick up the train of thought. Look at chapter, well, there's only two chapters, first of all. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the first day, sorry, in the second year of Darius the king, on what day? Of which month? What happened? The word of the Lord came to the prophet, right? On which day was it? First day of which month? Which year? Second year? All right, stay with me. In chapter 1, verse 13, God speaks again. He says, I am with you, declares the Lord. Look at verse 15 when it happens. On which day? The 24th day of which month? Sixth month, which year? S- second year of Darius the king. So, so far we have first day of the sixth month. Then we hear something happening on the 24th day of the 6th month, same year. Correct? Stay with me. Chapter 2, verse 1. On the 21st day of which month? The 7th month. What happened? The word of the Lord came by Haggai. Go all the way down to verse 10. So so we had the first day of the 6th month in verse 1. In verse 15, we have the 24th day of the sixth month. And then we have in chapter 2, verse 1, the 21st day of the seventh month. So it's three so far, right? Go down to verse 10. On which day? The 24th day of the ninth month. Which year? Second year of Darius the king. So that's one, two, three. This is the fourth time, Correct? All right. Go then to verse 20, then the word of the Lord came when? A second time to Haggai when? 24th day of the same month. Okay. So we see here, we have five different times the Lord specifically speaks in two chapters is the point we're trying to make. Tonight we're going to look at the first one, okay? Now, there'll be some, some theologians will tell you there's only four messages because God speaks. But anyway, we don't have to get into that. Let's take a look at it. Haggai chapter 1, let's read it together. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing. But no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because of which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. On the mountains, on the grain on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces. Good, good. All right, there was a reason why all of you were armed with a pen. We're going to read this passage a couple of times tonight. Like I said, we're going to get ourselves into a lot of trouble. The first time through, well, one of the things we do when we're studying inductively, and this is the simplified version, If you're in Pastor Lee's class, you're going to get the full Monty, all right? So we're just trying to uh, slow it down for you just a little. One of the things we do when we're studying inductively is we look for keywords. Keywords are going to help us to unlock the meaning of the text, just like a normal keyword. Let's see what the text says before we get into the preachy part or telling you what it means and all that sort of stuff. Let's look at it one of the ways we look for a keyword is we look for people. There's always people, especially in the Old Testament, causing problems. Let's take a look at it. In Haggai chapter 1, God is speaking and He's speaking to Haggai who's supposed to speak to the people. So take your pens, we're gonna put little, we're gonna just use boxes and boxes and squares. We're gonna go all the way back to kindergarten this time. Let's mark all the references to the people. I'm going to read it, you tell me. Sometimes it may say, God may be speaking to the people. He may refer to them as you in the plural. We'll, we'll walk you through it. For those of us who've been out of high school for a long time. Let's try it and see. We're putting a box around all the references to the people, right? Just shake your heads with me. This is going to be painless. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of Hosts. This who? Put a box around that. This people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, verse 4, Is it time for who? You yourselves. Put that hole in a box. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider what are we doing with your put it in the box and who's the your referring to the people good let's go on verse 6 starts out how who you that's those people have so much but harvest little who you eat but there is not enough to be satisfied good you drink but there is not enough to become drunk good you put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And why do you want to mark E? Because referring to the people, hey? Good, good. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. Verse 9 starts out how You look for much but behold it comes to little When who When you bring it home I blow it away why declares the Lord of hosts because of my house which lies desolate while each of runs to good good his own house Therefore because of in a box the sky has withheld its dew and the earth the earth has withheld its produce I call for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, on all the labor of your hands. I told you it was going to be painless, right? <laughs> two more things we've got to do. We're going to go through this another, another two times. This time, let's mark all the references to God. All right? Now. Last time I did this, I said, how do we know where to mark God? They said, look for all the capital letters. Let's put a big triangle over God. I kind of like the triangle. You know, the Trinity action going on, God, Father, God, the Son, God. Anyway, let's use the triangle to mark all the references to God. Okay, you ready? In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the with a triangle came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says who? The Lord of Hosts with a triangle. This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the... to be rebuilt. Then the word of the... came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now, therefore, thus says who? The Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says who? Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that... Who's the eye? God, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says who? You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, who's the eye there? I blow it away. Why? Declares who? Because of my house, the Lord's house which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky hath withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. Verse 11 starts out who? I I call for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on your oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and all the labors of your hands. All we're trying to do right now is find out what the text says. Let's read it one more time. Let's read it one more time. This time we're going to mark all the references to the house. Okay? Remember, all we're doing is looking for keywords, find out what the text says. Okay? Now, for those of you who are artistically challenged like I am, don't go and draw a house. Just just circle it for now. All right? All the references to the house or the house of the Lord, just circle. Verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. This people says the time has not come. Even the time for what? Circle it. Even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? While what? This house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse holds. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, verse 8, and bring wood and rebuild what? That's a synonym for what? House. Go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with what? What's the it? The house. Good that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of what? My house, which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky hath withheld its dew, and the earth hath withheld its produce. When I call for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on your men, on the cattle, and all the labors of your hands. That's a mouthful. But let's take a look at it for a minute. Now, in a normal classroom setting, which I am most comfortable with, we would make a list. We've marked three key words. The references to God, the references to the people, and the references to the house of God. What we would do then is make a list. I don't know if it's typical for Pastor Lee to allow you to talk in church, but I think he won't mind making this exception this one time, will he? <laughs> Good. So here's where I need your participation. Here's the question I want to ask you. All the passages that, all the references to God we marked, how do we mark Him? With a what? With a triangle. You'll see the reason behind the madness in a minute. Tell me about God. What does the passage say about God? Look at all those passages. You had triangles, little rinky-dinky triangles. Tell me what does the text say about God? He speaks. What verse was that? Verse 1 and verse 2, alright? Thus says the Lord of hosts, alright? He speaks. What else did we learn about God? What's that? He spoke to Haggai. By the way, who's Haggai? The prophet. What else? Come on. This is, y'all are warming up. This is good. What else? What else do we learn about God? Now, tell me only what the text says. He wants, he wants a house. Keep going. And try to try to give me the verse where you get your answers from. Verse eight says he wants him to build a house so he could be glorified. What else do we learn about God? That's good. God people, seven, Two times. Verse 5 and verse 7. He says, consider your ways. Good. What else do we learn about God from the passage? Oh, wow. God's causing all of this stuff to happen. Wow. Okay. What else do we learn about God? That's good. Y'all are doing super. It's okay. Go ahead. (laughs) All right, two people. Who who, who said that just now? Yes. He, he, He seems as if he's begging for obedience. Yes, sir. Verse six. talk some more about those people in a minute. That's good. It kind of sounds like me, but anyway, um, tell me what else we learned about God. Verse yes, ma'am. hold that thought. <laughs> yes ma'am. Verse nine is showing that he has much concern about the people of his house or the building. Oh, wow, 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 wow. All we're doing is looking at what the text says. What else do we learn about God? Four times the, Lord. the Lord of Hosts. Four times. Anybody else? Yes, sir. That's good. Hmm. Tell me about the people. Thank you, sir. Thank you, all of you. That, that was good. What about the people? Oh, how do we mark the people with, with with a box? Yeah. Tell me about the people. They're hesitant. They're, they're hesitant. Tell me really what the, what do they say in verse two? <laughs> Ain't time yet, right? That's these people, right? Is God happy with these people? No, no, no. Tell me some more about these people. In verse 4, are about themselves and up their houses. Wow. Anything else? Although they, do so much, Although they do so much, they're still deprived. Tell me what all they were doing. Look at verse 6. What all were they doing? We, do we have any green thumbs in here? anybody who planned stuff? All right, everybody's getting. <laughs> what all were they doing in verse 6? They were planting stuff, but wasn't harvesting anything. What else were they doing? Eating, drinking, working hard. Now, 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 just by word of caution, that, that drunk there wasn't drunk as you and I might think of it, okay. (laughs) It's just that they they, they weren't being filled, they weren't being satisfied. All right, don't go and tell Pasalee I told y'all it's okay to go get drunk, please. (laughs) Pasalee is right there. No, no, that's not what it says. So these people are doing stuff, they're going about everyday activity and what's happening? Go to verse eight. No sorry verse 9. What are they doing there? What are the people doing? Tell me about the people there in verse 9. They look for much but it comes to, w- what happens to what they're looking for? God blows it away. Did God give them a reason why He was blowing it away? because they're still saying back over there in verse 2 and verse 4 you ain't time yet, right? Okay. Oh, I can explain that really carefully. <laughs> Let's talk about that money part in a minute here. <laughs> what a vivid description. We can all identify with that. Hey, You earn money, but you're putting it in purses that seems to have holes. That's what these people were doing. What else? Tell me some more about these people. This is good. Just a little louder. Who wants who to consider their ways? Huh. Do me a favor. God says, consider your ways. Let's put it in the bohemian vernacular. How would that sound? Behave. Check yourself or catch yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) If it was my grandmother, she'd say, boy, mine. Mine. Tell me some more about these people. We're almost through. Verse 10 and verse 11. Because of who them? These people. And what does God say because of them what? <laughs> and what's God's problem with these people anyway? disobedience. And what else? God is satisfied with the way they're living. What is God really wanting them to do? Build His house, take care of His business, His house, His things, right? Look at verse 11. God says, I call for a drought on the land. I call for a drought on your mountains. I call for a drought on the grain. I call for a drought on your new wine, on your oil, on everything the ground produces. I call for a drought on your men, on the cattle. I call for a drought on all the labor of your hands. That's how it sounds. Ain't enough men around to do the work in every sense of the word. Whatever it means, it sounds scary, doesn't it? Someone up front here said everyone's having girls. Yes. Wow. Leaves the country very vulnerable, is not it? And all of this is happening because of what? Who's disobedience? The people. Oh. Wow. 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 So God's laying into His own people this way. <laughs> Tell me again why? Because of disobedience. And what was the one thing in this particular case he was wanting them to do? Build Build his house. As a matter of fact, he wanted them to rebuild the house. That a that I may be pleased with it. That's right. And be glorified. Let me put you in context, if I can, real quick. Israel had had a history of disobedience. Back in 722 B.C. The northern kingdom went into captivity. Around 586, the southern kingdom of Israel goes into captivity because of their disobedience. Nebuchadnezzar and the boys. You know the story? Have you spent any time in Sunday school? They come in to Israel and they just flatten everything. They take the best that was left. Remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, those crew? Israel's in captivity at this point. A pagan king by the name of Cyrus, if you read it over in Ezra, gives permission for the exiles to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Turn with me to Ezra. Turn with me real quick to Ezra. And uh, I just want you to see this real quick. Ezra chapter 4, I believe it is. No, sorry, let's go to chapter 1. This is cool. This is so cool. Let's see if we can get the scene behind the scenes. Chapter 1 verse 1 says, Now the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord, by the word, by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia so that he sent a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and also to put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus the the king of Persia, the Lord the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in where? Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. By the way, this is coming from a pagan king. Listen to this, verse 5, Then the heads of the fathers, households of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites arose, even everyone whose spirit God had stirred up to go and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. All those about them encouraged them with articles of silver, with gold, with goods, with cattle, with valuables, aside from all that was given as a freewill offering. Let's look at verse 7. Also King Cyrus brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar, had carried away from Jerusalem and put it in the house of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought out by the hand of, yeah, whatever his name, the treasurer, and he counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. Now this was their number, 30 gold dishes, 1,000 silver dishes, 29 duplicates, 30 gold bowls, 410 silver bowls of a second kind, 1,000 other articles, all the articles of gold and silver numbered Five thousand four hundred. Shestbazar brought them all up from the exiles who went up from Babylon to Jerusalem. Go over to chapter three. Now, verse one. Now, when the seventh month came, the sons of Israel were in the were, were in the cities, and the people gathered together. One man in Jerusalem. Then Joshua Josh, the son of Jehozadak and his brothers, and the priests and Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and his brothers arose and built an altar. So they get to Jerusalem. They build an altar. Okay. Go down to verse 6 of chapter 3. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of what? Of the Lord had not been laid. Then they gave money to the masons and the carpenters, food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and to the Tyrians to bring cedar wood from Lebanon to the Sea of Joppa according to the permission they had from Cyrus the king. Excuse me. Verse 10, something interesting happens. When the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with the trumpets of the Levites and the sons of Asaph with symbols to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. So two things happen in Ezra. The altar is built, the foundation is laid. Then nothing happens. One of the interesting things about this passage is all the provisions that God had impressed upon King Cyrus to provide for the building of the temple were made. Cyrus says you have access to the royal treasury, you have access to the royal timber yard, anything you need to build or rebuild this temple to glorify God, consider it done. If you read the rest of Ezra, there are a number of challenges, roadblocks that prevent the exiles from doing what they were supposed to do. Based on our most accurate guess, we believe it's about 14 to 16 years from the foundation is laid to nothing. There's a 16 year period where they laid a the foundation and everybody seems to say, well we're back here in Jerusalem, let's just go about doing things the way we used to do it. God has a concern as we've seen in Haggai and he says to the people, thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says, the time has not come, even the time for the temple to be rebuilt. God has a problem with it. What do you think was God's problem with them not building the temple? Well, they were disobedient and they were then trying to tell God this is what should be done, and this is what you should do, this is what is not going to be done. Say it ain't so. They were trying to tell him. They were trying to tell God, no, 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 God, ain't time yet. It's like my children, it's time for bed. No, 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 Daddy, no, 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 no. Yeah, yes, it is. It's eleven o'clock. Yeah, 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 but, but, but. Sixteen years, just a foundation. What do you think people are saying every time they go past that foundation? What do you think they're saying about God? They're laughing. They're laughing at God. Yeah, look at them Israelites, <laughs> bunch of idiots. What do you think they were really saying about God? Couldn't finish? Yeah, is God just like the rest of the other gods. Got no power. Did it bother God maybe? And so God says, guys, you sow much, but you harvest. You eat, you drink. You put on clothes, ain't working. You earn wages. These people are in captivity, they're earning wages, they're in position to earn. They all earn wages but as if they're putting, in, putting the wages they earn in pockets with holes. You ever put some money somewhere and went looking for it and couldn't find it? No, we're about twenty dollars. This seems like it be, it was a regular way of living for these people. God adds insult to injury. He says, you look for much. Yeah, boy, I get a promotion this week. <laughs> but it comes to little. When you br- and the, with the little you bring home, what God says He does. <sighs> Why? Because of my house which lies desolate. Remember now, 16 years, all they see in the foundation. God says, consider your ways, consider your ways. He tells them what to do though. It's interesting He tells, He always tells us how to make it right, doesn't He? What does He tell Israel to do? He says, go to the mountains, bring wood, rebuild the temple. Why would God tell them to go to the mountains and bring more wood? Say that again. Cyrus the King had made all the provisions for the temple to be rebuilt. What happened to the provisions? That's exactly what was happening. They had taken the provisions that God had made for him and used it on themselves. We see in Ezra where the king said, hey, the wood, the masons, the carpenters, whatever. Sixteen years later, where is the wood? It's interesting, God says, in verse 4 he says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your own paneled houses while my house lies in ruin, desolate? Some of y'all are sitting there saying, now oh, okay, yeah, alright, so I get the picture, Israel was being real bad, they were disobedient, God gave them uh, instructions to go and rebuild the temple Year, whoopee, what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with me? I don't know. I'm sure God's been speaking to some of our hearts already. Two points, if I could leave just two quick points with you, ever so briefly. And, and I call them more so lessons for life, because you've been handling the text. My, my, my suspicion is that uh, some of you are going to gonna go back and, re- and revisit this. Before I go into my two points, if you look at verse 12 to 15, Israel actually obeys. You don't have to look at it right now. And God says, hey, I'm going to be with you. Worship actually breaks out and God now turns the tide from curses to blessing them. And so there is a, there is good news to this sad story. But let's, let's kind of bring this plane in for a landing for a minute. Let me, me, this is a long point, but let me just say it this way. No matter how hard you work, no matter the accomplishments you might make, the accolades you might receive, the good grades you may get, the promotion you might have well deserved. If God is not the focus, He's not going to let you be satisfied. I'll repeat it, no matter how hard you work and all for noble causes. I, I, I got to provide a house for my family. No matter, the, 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 you could have the top paying job on the planet. For those of you in school, you can make all the best grades in school, win all the top awards and achievements, etc, etc. For the sportsman, you can win every trophy there is and break every record uh, there is to break. If God's not the focus, He's not going to let you be satisfied. Look at the children of Israel. He says, "You plant, you eat, you drink, you put on clothes, you earn, but what? Nothing. The little you do get. I blow that away because you've neglected me God says consider your ways set your heart toward me no matter the accomplishments, no matter how hard you work if God's not your focus he's not gonna let you be satisfied there's an issue of procrastination we all have a touch of it I think I got a lot of it Ah no, no, no I see some hands waving. Yeah, amen. Thank you for your honesty. Israel was procrastinating. Sixteen years into this project, and they're saying, God, man, listen, ain't time yet. No, man, God, I still still got I got one more one or two more things to do, and then we can get the fellas together on a Saturday morning and then we're gonna we gonna we throw the temple up real quick. Promise. No kidding. Sixteen years. Why may God wait 16 years for Him to receive glory, when He could get it in our lives now? I'm not saying that those accomplishments and those achievements are bad. They're all good. But if we're doing it for the wrong reason that God won't be glorified, doesn't mean anything. Stop procrastinating. God wants us to reevaluate our priorities. Now here's the kicker in the teeth. We don't have the temple today, do we? I mean, we're not, we don't position uh, Pastor Wendy to the, to, the, to the front of the building and we bring sheep and goat and bulls and that sort of thing. And he inspects it and he says, okay, this is a good sacrifice. Let's take it inside and offer it up as a burnt offering to the Lord. We don't do that today, do we? Shake your head with me. <laughs> we don't. So again, what does this have to do with us today? It has to do with our commitment to God. Wow. What's that? That's where the hits the road. That is where the rubber hits the road. Does the temple still exist today? Oh, y'all are bright. For those of you who didn't catch that, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3. This is super. 1st Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16, Paul is talking, he says, do you not know that you Are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells where? In you. Chapter 6, three chapters over. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body is what? A temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? for you have been bought with a price. Listen to this last part. Therefore do what? Glorify. glorify God where? In your body. What's that? In the spirit. Oh, this, I wish we had time to even talk about this. How do I glorify God in my body? He want, God wanted the children of Israel to go back to the mountains, find more wood, Bring the, and build the temple so that he would be pleased with it and be glorified. How do I glorify God here in this temple? Come on, talk to me. Be holy? Just on Sundays? Oh come on, you, you mean Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday too? Seven days a week, I can glorify God. By, by the way I live. But see, God never drove in Nassau. Right? God never had to drive in Nassau, did He? Can I glorify God in traffic? Come on. No. If you leave early. (laughs) How can I glorify God in my marriage? How can I glorify God the next time I have a healthy disagreement with my wife. Just say Amen. <laughs> just just surrender one time, right? <laughs> How can I glorify God in my relationship with my children? <laughs> Especially when they did something again that I just told you about a couple of minutes ago. Can, I, can God still be glorified in this temple? Yeah? Yeah. Sometimes. Men, how do we glorify God when we're on a computer after hours? Ladies, some of the programs we watch, how can God be glorified in this temple? Some of the conversations we have, can we glorify God? Some of the places we go, can we glorify God in this temple? Some of the conversations we have with others, my contention is, I think today we're no better than the children of Israel who took the resources that God had given to build the temple. Those people refused to do what God had instructed them to do. And today it is no different. God has given this church gifts and talents in individuals and some of you, some of us have just been sitting on it. No, I can't do nothing in the church. Pastor they can't use me. They ain't ready yet. I ain't ready yet. The pastors who are here in this church, let me ask you this question. Is, is there room for help anywhere in any areas of church? Yes, so cool. <laughs> I wish we could go into this a lot further. But I think we get in the picture. Two points. No matter how hard you work, no matter the accomplishments you may make. If God is not the focus of those accomplishments, you will not be satisfied. I've been in ministry now six short years. In a couple of those years, I was all about the numbers. I got to meet this pastor. I got to have this class going, yada, 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 yada. And God stopped me cold in my tracks one November. He said, Patrick, what are you doing? So said, God, I'm working for you. He said, no, no you're doing it to make you look good. For two months He just took me away, brought no ministry into my life, just so I could refocus on Him. He won't let you be satisfied. So yeah, even sometimes in ministry, if God is not the focus, He won't let you be satisfied. Second point, understand ladies and gentlemen, you are the temple. And God is still today saying, I want to be glorified in your life, even in your illness, even in your sickness, even in your marriage, even in a bad situation at work, I want to be glorified. Will you do it? Will you? Consider your ways. Let us consider our ways. Father in heaven, we thank You and we praise You for the opportunity to dig into Your Word. Father, Forgive me for rushing, but I think the, 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 the principles of Your Word are clear. I pray, dear God, that as You've been preparing the hearts of these people all day, all week, that You'd now take the seed that would have been sown here this evening and sink it in deep into the good soil of all of our hearts, including mine, dear God. Therein, dear God, You would allow it to grow and bear fruit for Your good pleasure and Your time. Father, glorify yourself in our lives. Father, glorify yourself in our marriages, on the job, with our children. Oh, and dear God, forgive me. Forgive us when we did not do, when we denied you by our behavior, and we went after things for our own pleasure as opposed to glorifying you. God, thank you for another chance to bring honor and glory, glory to your name. God, thank you for the opportunity to serve such a precious, precious flock. In Jesus' name we pray.